Welcome back to the show. I am excited for tonight's episode. It's not often someone says, I'm so excited for to do something that I literally have no clue what we're doing. But this is where this is where you want to live, right? You want to live in a place where you're like, I'm going into this topic with little knowledge, but lots of enthusiasm. And that's the strength of connectivity, right? Is you get to say, I know nothing about this. Be completely honest. I know nothing about this. Go into this experience with people who do know about it. And when you're done, you'll know some more than you know right now. But the end of this episode, you are going to be moderately informed. Moderately. Because there's going to be a lot to learn. Moderately. You'll be well-equipped, well-armed, forewarned, and forearmed um, about animal physical therapy. I think we talked about this for 15 minutes in PT school. Like, not at all. Like, literally, I it, that it was a thing. I think it, that's a thing. That's a thing. Oh, my gosh. How do you do that? I don't know. Google it. That was it. But the fact that I realized it was a thing in PT school, that animal th uh, physical therapy was a thing, made me go, huh, wow, that's kind of cool. But in PT school, it's like, and moving on. We have to keep going. There's lots to cover. So we're going to dig into animal physical therapy. So I'm excited uh, tonight. want to say thanks to our sponsors at MW Therapy, uh, a great EMR. They understand it. It's got to be up-to-date, easy to use. It's got to be competitively priced. And if you're locked into an EMR, it's got to be easy to switch. So MW Therapy, MW Therapy makes it easy to switch. Don't be handcuffed and stuck in that EMR from like 1997. Don't do it. Don't be using one that wastes your time. Don't do it. Take a test drive. See what they have to offer. MWTherapy.com. That is MWTherapy.com. And our friends from CBDRX4U.com, your CBD store. Get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX4U.com. They understand uh, the pharmacology. We had Dr. Tony Ferrari on not long ago talking about the pharmacology of CBD. It's deep and it's over the counter. So you should be forewarned and forearmed. You need to know about this as well. So again, CBDRX4U.com. Com. Let's dig into the animal physical therapy now. All right, welcome to PT Pintcast. We say it is great physical therapy conversations on tap. See what we did there? Pintcast on tap. The dad jokes never end. I'm your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. You can find us on the socials at PT Pinecast on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We got a website. It's ptpinecast.com. We try to keep it all consistent. Uh, on the website, you can actually grab this for a friend, family member, yourself, an enemy. It doesn't matter who you buy it for. We asked people, what was the most misused, frequently misused anatomical term? But we figured out, according to you, the audience, it was the rotary cup. So we designed, uh, we said, all right, Rotary Cup, we'll put that together with uh, beer because we like beer and Rotary Cup IPA. You can get yourself a Rotary Cup IPA t-shirt right now at ptpinecast.com. Help support the show. Lots of other stuff there too. Designed by physios for physios. All right. Did we do anything else for the intro? No, we can get to it now. Good. Let's get to it. Uh, mentioned a second ago, I know very little about this. The fact that I knew it existed was pretty much it. But you are going to get to the bottom of all the questions unveiled animal physical therapy so let's get our guests in the studio tonight physiotherapist specializing in canine rehab and owner of positively fit canine rehabilitation and wellness in canada that is shauna welcome to the program and jenny mo is a physiotherapist and owner of mo love myofascial release and doggons wheels in san francisco california 
They both have a passion for giving uh, giving days back to uh, animals and helping them stay mobile. Sounds like something a physical therapist would help do. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank Hello. you. All right. I am your target audience. I know very little about animal physical therapy. I mentioned in the injury. I, I knew you guys were listening. I heard about it in a PT school, but as I mentioned, information like drinking from a fire hose, as we say, it's come by a mile a minute. So by the end of the episode, I want to make sure the audience understands at least the basics, right? Because I'm sure we could go real deep in this, but I at least want to make sure they know the basics and just give them the scope of animal physical therapy. So that's why you ladies are here. Uh, the first question to both of you is, uh, is the hardest. I know you guys are not drinking alcohol because you're a better person than me. Uh, but I am having a fresh IPA. So usually I ask people what they're drinking. I'm drinking a fresh IPA out of a can. So cheers to you ladies, no matter what you're drinking. We don't discriminate here on the show. Uh, thanks for coming out. The uh, first round is brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply it properly. OwensRecoveryScience.com is their website. I mean, one of the questions eventually would be like, do can we do BFR on, on animals? I bet you the answer is yes, because... They have blood, but all right, let's start from the top. When people find out that you are an animal physical therapist, how do you answer? Shauna, animal rehab, <laughs> not for me. Like what? Yeah. And that's usually the response or like, that's a thing. And I'm that's like, yeah, it's a thing. Like, doesn't your dog get hurt or haven't you known a dog that's gotten hurt? And we basically do, well, I think we do better, right, Jenny? But um, when you go to see your PT or physio and to get better, we do the same thing with an animal and more treats and more scratches. And more treats. That's yeah. probably good. Yeah. You don't want to be scratching your human patients behind the ears. It's a little no. awkward. Uh, but Jenny, I'm sure you get this all the time as well. You know, how do you, do you respond similarly? Anything else you add when someone goes animal rehab? What? Yeah. I say, why not? You know, I worked with kids before I worked with animals. So in some respects, it's really not too different. Like Shauna mentioned, you have to make it fun. So, you know, a kid's not going to drop and give you 20 push-ups. So yeah. neither is a dog. Right. But if you make it fun, you can get them to do pretty much anything that we need them to. All right. So you guys used a couple pronouns there. They. We mentioned dogs, right? But let's go like spectrum here. I don't, we, wanna, we don't want to discriminate. Mm -hmm. What types of animals are can physical therapists let's go with you guys specifically as well as other physical therapists and physios working with where where does it stop or does it i don't well, think there's an end i don't think so the, i'm a big advocate for cats and therapy i love working with cats um and then we've um one of my businesses is building wheelchairs or carts for ant pig and who was born with um some malformed back legs and we make lots of them for rabbits rabbit pt especially like down in the la area is a huge thing why so, down in la yeah. what are they doing down in la with rabbits why is it so popular I, I don't know you know i had a few up here in the bay area but i didn't um i only worked with one or two i don't know why it's so popular down there <laughs> all right so personally from you either doing it yourself or hearing about animals uh jenny you just mentioned a pig cats dogs rabbits what are like, give me the, give me the ones that are going to make me people go, Oh gosh, really? Like what are the animals? What other animals have you heard about, um, you know, receiving therapy? Ducks. Oh yeah. That would be fun. Uh -huh, a friend of yeah. ours is working with a couple tigers. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. 
I'm so jealous. One of them, I think she's in there. Um, she's yeah, I, I know. No, that would be my dream. Let me, let me play with those big murder mittens. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I saw a Netflix show that the couple episodes maybe would make you think otherwise in terms of tiger king and, and getting too close to those uh to those big kittens as they call them but uh so i guess i guess the answer really is there is no limit is what i'm hearing from you guys the limit is just who needs help and who finds their way to you or who who you find your way to yeah exactly absolutely. it's at the end of the day it's physical therapy you look at what is the functional limitation and you break down the problem just like you would with a person or a kid, you know, what are the the things that are limiting their function? What what's it coming from? What are the physiological reasons for that? And you just start picking away at them. So let's go to your to your clinical experience. Um, what let's start with like types of injury. Like why why are they coming to see you? And 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 then I want we'll get into the evaluation and how that works. I mean, I was in pediatrics. That takes some tricks and figuring out, but. Mm -hmm. You know, dogs definitely can't talk. Well, I mean, some of them can. I shouldn't say that, but uh, but let's let's talk about the reasons that you're you're seeing uh, uh, pets and animals. Like, like, talk about some common ones. Yeah, big ones would be knees. So, like the dog equivalent of our ACL is a huge one. Um, spine issues, like disc issues, are big. Arthritis is big. Like I, I work with a lot of senior dogs. So, and it's a lot of the same things that we're seeing in our human clients. So joint issues, dysplasias, um, arthritis, post-surgery. Right. I've had some lung stuff. Like you pull up, you put on your um, uh, chest physio hat, like all those things as well. Same question for, uh, for Jenny, whatever, whatever things, common, common things. Yeah, on top of that, that, you know, definitely cruciate injuries, uh, disc injuries, but lots of soft tissue things, mm -hmm. you know, the PT's kind of famous for getting the not sure what it is. So the veterinarians generally prescribe K-dressed and NSAIDs, which isn't going to do much for you. So, you know, we got shoulder tendinopathies, medial shoulder issues, a lot of psoas strains that are um, very tricky, like your lameness that just keeps coming and going, carpal sprains, you know, um, congenital things. We've had right. some, some puppies come in with um, funny shaped vertebrae that affect the spinal cord, um, malformed limbs that need splinting. So it sounds like you're, you're, you're giving me the, uh, the equivalent of, well, it depends. I mean, pretty much if it can happen to a, you know, a human, there's a pretty good chance it could happen to an animal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, very much so. All right. So you brought someone else up there a second ago, which was a, a veterinarian. I'm guessing that's somebody within the care team of that animal, of that creature that's going to be definitely involved. Talk about, you know, your your individual relationships with a veterinarian or the veterinarians in your area. And, and how's that interaction happen? How's that communication? Where's that where's that relationship start and, and go? You want to take that first, Jenny? Sure. Sure. Um, well, I, I kind of stumbled into the field of animal rehab and um, worked at a specialty practice for um, 11 years or so. And so I worked alongside just really awesome uh, surgeons, neurologists, internists, your, not just your general vets, which we, of course, worked with them, too, because they're the foundation of your 
care team, but um, very important to keep the the vets informed and um, also an opportunity to educate them on a lot of the things because sometimes I would get a pet referred from the specialist or they would find us through word of mouth. And then I would contact back the primary vet and let them know. And most often I would get, well, what are you doing with them? I didn't, even from the veterinarians, we would right. hear, I didn't know there was physical therapy for, for animals and great opportunity to let them know that they could send lots more of their patients our way. Mm-hmm. Shana, what about you? So it's, I would say it's not always rosy. Um, this is maybe the dark side of what we do. And some, yes. and I would say most vets are very good and they want to collaborate. And, but there are some vets that don't want to play in the sandbox and they're few and far between, but they're ones. And I mean, I probably make them mad because I'm still trying to communicate. I'm still asking for referrals. I'm still asking for vet records. I'm still sending my report, but they don't always want to work together. But there are those that are awesome that are like, I don't know, like maybe try rehab and they seem to find something that we had no idea about just because we're looking at things differently. We, we are touching different spots than maybe the vet is used to doing because they're the jack of all trades. They're the dentist, they're the pharmacist, they're everything. Whereas we can narrow down a lot easier. I remember when I was, uh, one of my cousins was going to school looking, looking to become a veterinarian and then just not, you know, just like being naive myself and saying like, Oh yeah, let's just say, let's just say you just worked on dogs and you knew the anatomy of a dog which breed like i mean just within that one animal you are going to need to be able to be flexible and learn on the on the fly in terms of the different anatomy and the different histories like this dog is known for having this type of injury more often than others so i'm sure that comes into play as well with you guys in terms of you need to you know you're not you know human anatomy is one thing complex enough um how do you guys stay up to date or how do you educate yourself or continually educate yourself on just anatomy. We'll just just start with anatomy and physiology. They ha- we dogs have all the same parts. They're just different sizes. Yeah. <laughs> they're different. They're shaped. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know about you, Jenny, but I find that I learn as I go, and and you get to know certain breeds are chronic for certain issues, and then you'll get some that, you know, you're doing your research. So I've got a like the American Kennel Club breed guide that is a big fat sucker and that's a nice reference to just look through and see oh that was what normal was supposed to be and that dog's Um, not normal so that's helpful too but you kind of learn as you go and you start to see those patterns like you'd see in your human pt practice too i love the fact that you're just like using the kennel guide like a like a pt would use like netters anatomy it's like the kennel guide (laughs) As Katie Wood says, hi. Uh, if you're watching a live stream on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and you want to say something, you want to comment on something, or if you want to ask a question, feel free to do that live, and we'll see if we can get to those as well. So uh, that is, again, if, you, if you're watching a live stream. So Katie Wood saying hello and, and giving a shout out. Um, so anatomy and physiology, a little bit different. So I guess I'm just hearing like uh, you know what we heard for, since PT school is it depends, and you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's, um, you know, when you start getting into different species, that's a little different, but even from dogs to cats, they're really not all that different. It's mostly the same parts and, 
Um, you know, cats are a little bit more bendy and flexible than dogs, but you just, you know, get your hands on as many, um, many animals as you can. You, you go, instead of people watching you, I was found myself doing this before I was an animal physio. I would totally watch dogs moving at the dog park with my Mm. own and, and be like, oh my gosh, that one's, you know, I'm, I'm picking it apart before I even knew what I was looking at. So you know, it's, it's really just applying your knowledge that you have, you know, we know how to analyze movement, but then having that foundation of the anatomy and the physiology underlying, it makes it really easy. So, you know, that's something that I always will tell newer therapists who get really intimidated because they, they think they're coming into this whole new world when it's really, it is, but it isn't at the same time. Right. So that, so that leads me to a question I was going to ask later, but I want to bring it up now, which is what, what skills or what personality traits or what things do you think someone would need to possess and just throw them out at random to be a good animal physical therapist, to be a good animal physio? I would say curiosity, you know, just gotta be, yeah. Having the, the drive to figure out like, what is that? And, and start, looking into it and um, also being pretty open-minded because if you get worried about, um, you know, whether you know all the answers or, you know, you haven't seen this breed before and, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing and have to go look it up. It's, you know, having the ability to um, not generalize, but um, just think outside the box, I think is probably the most important thing. Shauna, what do you got? Con- like, you know, personality traits yeah. or things they need to have. I, I would say empathy is a big one because you're working obviously with the animal, but with an owner that is often I find more attached to their animal than they are to their children. Don't it's say it out different. loud. Oh, she said well, it. Well, no, and I and I understand, and it's a different relationship, but people can get very emotional, and I mean, I do too about my own dog. Um, but I think that's important because you. Sure it's not just a one-on-one relationship with your client anymore. There's three of you. And the other thing I'd say is patience because there are some animals that you work with that you have the best of intentions. You've got all the right treats that you know, (laughs) getting them to do what you want doesn't happen. So like Jenny said, like willing to think outside the box because sometimes your plan falls to pieces when you wanted to look at something and you just can't get the dog or the animal to cooperate. Sounds like pediatrics. It sounds like a lot exactly. of the advice. That's why that's why I say it's so much like pediatrics is you've got your parents involved and you know the the parents come back and they say, you know, Fluffy won't do the exercises at home and then they do them perfectly in the clinic, yeah. just like, you know, Sammy did with the right. pediatric clinic. So yeah. it's, it's a lot of lots of parallels. I went from working with adults and some athletes to pediatrics and someone asked me why I switched and I said, kids complain less and you've got, I mean, dogs, you know, they complain. Yeah. They just want to have fun and, you know, do their, do their thing. So most of the time that di- I was, I was prepared, trying to be prepared for that as well, which is that's the relationship you need to spend a lot of time on, which is the, the parent or the human component of, uh, of that animal relationship. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's patient education? Like, what are you leaving with? Or, you know, our, our uh, treatment session, are they in there with you the whole time or, you know, walk me through this or does it depend? Don't, tell me if it depends. I have the owner with me and I'm talking through my entire assessment. So as I'm finding things, I'm telling them what I found because 
I find that the more an owner understands what the heck is going on with their animal, they just start to put the pieces together even before I start to give advice. Um, But it's, it's the same as if you do an assessment on a person, education is a huge piece of what you should do. You shouldn't do like what to change, but yeah, you're not, (laughs) you're not giving it to the dog that eat the homework, but the owner. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are, uh, are, are they leaving with anything? You know, is there an HEP to go? Is there like a, you know, something like that or, or how are, how are you communicating quite literally? I'm old school. I write it out. I hand it to the owner. I take a picture and upload that to my um, notes. Um, but that's how I manage it. Jenny, what do you got in terms of like, you know, continuing and educating and communicating and, and, and beyond? Um, I do the same as Shauna, as far as I prefer to have the, um, the parents there throughout the entire session and I'll take their hands and have them feel what I'm feeling. And by the time you get to explaining the diagnosis, they're on board because they're following my thought process and seeing everything that I'm explaining. Um, and oftentimes catching things by, you know, just a simple little question of, well, did you notice that your dog's tail was in a different position and how long has that been? And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Um, but as far as home program stuff, I give uh, written instructions as well. I have, um, over the years, I compiled a lot of things with pictures and I have videos of a lot of things that I'll send um, video links to them um, and have them do uh, demonstrations with me during the consultation to make sure they understand also. But yeah, they definitely have, just like I learned with uh, working with the kids' parents, they right. need to have those pictures and have text that they understand to be able to reference back. Really, really good communication. It sounds like, I mean, this is, yeah. sounds like this is very parallel to, you know, pediatric PT. So I see the parallels. Um, one more, one more question for me for now, and then we're going to go to some of the, in the audience. If you have some more, drop them in the comments on Facebook, on Twitter, or uh, on YouTube. Um, certifications. I'm a physical therapist, Jenny, Shauna. I'm a physical therapist. I have a license. Can I just, I just do this? How does that how does that work? Do I need a certification? I know there is advanced education, but is it is it nice to have? Is it need to have? Walk me through that. That's a tricky question, Jimmy. Ah. <laughs> um, the the short answer is yes, there's additional certification. And in the United States, there are two main programs. There's the Canine Rehab Institute, which is based out of Florida. Um, they also have classes in Colorado during the summer. And that is the um, fastest way. The other is the University of Tennessee has a program as well, which is a little bit more remote learning um, and has hands-on as well. But both of those programs provide you with uh, an additional certification that's the Certified Canine Rehab Therapist for CRI or Practitioner for Tennessee. And so um, that's, then it goes down to what state you're in on what are the regulations for each state on what does the PT practice act say and what does the vet practice act say and do they play nicely together or does it get complicated? Oh, that's where it is. So yeah. So, so Jenny was giving us a, uh, know your scope of practice. This is not legal advice. Jenny is not advocating for you to do anything, but yeah, that's, but that you should, (laughs) you should know your state practice act Yes. as a PT, no matter where you are. 
Uh, Shauna Canada, you're our neighbor to the north. Mm -hmm. You said it was a, a tricky question as well. What what's it yeah, like? Uh, what I there? think it's it's a little bit easier up here in Canada, from what I understand, seeing things on social media from the states. Um, up here, we have access to a diploma in canine rehab that's run through our professional association, so it's less expensive than going through a CCRT. Certainly, um, we can access the programming down in the States. And certainly there are some therapists up here that have. As far as working with animals, at least in the province that I am in, there's not a ton. Well, there isn't really any regulation. We're kind of in this gray zone where I can't say I'm a canine PT because that a PT treats humans. I would never call myself a vet. So we're kind of in this gray zone where no one's watching over us, but we can get in trouble by the vet college or which I guess would be the equivalent of the vet board down there. Yeah. Um, so it's knowing what the expectation of the vet college in the province you're in is up here and Quebec just don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and want to treat animals. But where I am in Ontario, it's pretty open. But um, being a member of um, the animal rehab division of our professional association, we do advocate for physios to go through, get their diploma, to have that certification behind their name, because it does show that you've gone through all that education to show that you're a safe practitioner which is what we want. Right. Right. That's what we talked about before when we did an episode in the, the MPT, our board exam, which is like, that is a safety examination. So we want you to be safe first uh, and do, you know, do no harm in terms of that, uh, of that, of that Hippocratic oath. Um, I lied. I want one more question. So, cause you made me think of one more. So then billing, I mean, I, I'm guessing, I know there is animal insurance. I don't have pets, but I know people who do, and they do have insurance for this. Is this something now with these gray areas? Is something that is is it a hundred percent cash? Is it can it be sometimes covered under insurance, or how does that work? Uh, a lot of times, it, it depends on the plan that they have. So, veterinary medicine, whether it's for physical rehab or if it's for just their general stuff, for the most part, the um, the pet owner is paying cash up front, and then they get reimbursed by their insurance company. And then it depends. Some of the companies are starting to get a little bit pickier about who is providing the service. So some companies will only pay for physical rehab if it's provided by a veterinarian, which is a newer development. Um, and then others are a little bit more, uh, a little bit more open to as long as it was recommended by the veterinarian, then they'll they'll cover yeah. it. So again, it depends and you're going to have to be curious. You said curiosity and enthusiasm. You have to be curious and figure that out. Yeah, but generally cash-based for the most yeah. part. All right, we're going to take some questions uh, from the audience. If you're watching a live stream, drop them down below. Um, any advice for PTs? This one in Canada for just starting out in the area of practice. This one's from Sarah. Yeah, um, I would say go and find someone that you can spend some time with, whether it's a vet, whether it's a physio doing animal rehab and watch them, talk to them and see if it's something that you really want to do. And then dive into the courses and keep going with the courses. Um, 
a lot of people start and then they stop, which is unfortunate because you lose momentum. But I think getting in there, getting excited about it, watching animals, like Jenny said, and then putting your hands on animals and realizing how transferable your skills are. Yeah, well said. This one coming from the booth too. So you mentioned, you know, finding a physical therapist who does this and spending some time with them. What are the easiest ways to do that? I mean, how are you searching? How are you finding others? Uh, the Canine Rehab Institute has a find a therapist search wow. feature on their website. Um, I believe University of Tennessee's program does as well. Um, and then there's also a great Facebook group called Canine Physical Therapists. And that's a great forum. You don't have to be a, a certified therapist already. You could just be interested or even just looking for, hey, does somebody know of a therapist near me? Oh. And you've got a whole network of PTs to help you find somebody. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's great. Another question come, coming from the audience. Um, from Lee, how do you differentiate yourself from other providers, body workers, massage therapists, to clients and vets? I mean, I guess this is uh, this goes into... Um, clear and consistent communication, but we just discussed there's all these gray areas, right? So how how what what are what are some good maybe one or two best practices on ways to differentiate yourself? Because I'm sure this comes up, people asking questions, good questions. Um, how do you typically respond to something like this? I'm probably going to answer much differently than Jenny does because I've got two different answers. One for the vets, I'm always going to talk about. You know, my background is a physiotherapist. They they want the proof of what letters are behind your name. So I'm right. a physiotherapist. I'm registered. I have this diploma in canine rehab. When I'm talking to clients and owners, I am less worried about making sure they know I'm different from them because I'm not going to talk about them. I'm going to talk about what I do and what I can do and how I can help their animal. And, you know, to be quite honest, maybe I'm not always the best person. Maybe they their ideals fit with the body worker or massage therapist. And I'm okay with that, which I know is not the popular answer, but I personally think there's enough animals and owners to go around. And if that's what someone wants and that meets their goals, I'm cool with that. All right, Jenny, same question. How do you differentiate or how do you communicate? I guess, I guess like, you know, Jenny, uh, uh, Shauna, your answer really was, um, communicating value really well, which is like, here's what I can do. Here's what I can provide. And that's the best way to do it. I mean, I've had people at backyard barbecues ask me like, well, what's the difference between you and that chiropractor down the street? I'll be, and uh, my go-to answer is, um, I only know what I know. I I have no idea what that person's experience. They might be fantastic. And if you have a great experience with them, then that is fantastic. Or, you know, is is this, is this type of practitioner bad? And I'm like, I'll be honest. I don't know enough about their education to comment, uh, educatedly enough. Uh, but Jenny, in terms of that uh, differentiation question, you know, how do you typically respond to something like that? Or how do you answer back? Um, you guys basically covered it. Um, Shauna, my answers are pretty much exactly what <laughs> what you say. Um, honestly, I don't think I've ever had a veterinarian question me on my credentials. Um, so I guess that's that's a positive. I've been a little bit spoiled in that respect. Um, and then in Honestly, in talking to either a veterinarian or a pet owner, uh, pet parent, I'm, I'm basically, again, talking about value and how it is that I can help the pet. And I, I do have a heavy uh, manual therapy slant to my practice, even when I worked in a, a specialty 
veterinary practice um, and was thankfully very well supported in that. Um, and I, I don't believe in any practitioner being necessarily better than another or, you know, PTs better than this. Um, I, I can speak to my own personal choices, but if somebody asks me that, um, you know, I'll explain how, uh, you know, maybe myofascial release is different from chiropractic and how that, what I do may be more beneficial to a patient, but I will say, you know, I don't, I'm not a chiropractor, so I can't necessarily, again, speak to their, their right. education, but I'll talk more about how it is that I can help their pet and ask them, you know, what are their, what are their goals? What do they feel is um, holding their pet back? from everything. Um, Jenny, we do have a rule. We do have a rule if a dog or a baby uh, <laughs> comes on screen, you have to introduce the dog or the baby. So who, who is making okay. the screen there? Well, let me go find him. He got on the floor. So this is Umi, <laughs> which means ocean in Japanese. He is uh, the newest addition to our family. Umi. He's an Australian cattle dog. <laughs> he's a, he's a, a fairly new rescue. He's about four, but he spent most of his life apparently in a cage. And so he's learning how to be a, a real dog. Thank you for abiding by our rules. <laughs> always introducing a dog or a baby whenever they come on screen. Um, if you have any, if you have any other questions, uh, drop them in the comments there. The more of a comment here from Cindy. Uh, this one's for Shauna. She said she, uh, she appreciates the conditioning exercises you included in your book, this old dog. Um, talk about that book. What can people find in it? What can, what can they learn? Yeah, so it is geared towards the owner of a senior dog, and I tried to make it a simple book to read that was not overwhelming, and I have bought a lot of senior dog books off Amazon, and I don't even want to read them because they're so big, but it is basically a synopsis of tangible things that owners can actually do to help their dogs as they age, and the basics of some of the more common things that don't go well with aging and what you can do about it. So thank you, Cindy, for the great feedback. And yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Wow. How's that being an author? Like, it's like, you know, I get excited when I read a book. I'm very, I pat myself on the back real hard when I, when I read a book, but when you, when you decided to, to go ahead and write a book, like what were you picturing? What problems were you solving and who were the people you were trying to help? Yeah. So I made this grand proclamation to my husband a couple years ago that I was going to write a book and yeah. got on and then actually had to do it, which was a lot more work than I anticipated. Um, but really, I just wanted the average dog owner to have a resource that they could turn to that wasn't overwhelming, that was in straightforward language that they could be like, oh, well, that's what that meant. Okay, that's what's going on with my dog. Oh, that's what I can do. Okay, great. Like it didn't, doesn't need to be complicated. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I had a great coach along the way who I know you interviewed, um, Jeremy Sutton yep. and, and he was phenomenal in that process because self-publishing is not for the faint of art. Absolutely. No, good on you for saying that thing. And, and I've said it before, I haven't written a book yet, but it's, it's for me, I, what I've seen anywhere where I've heard, it's a lot like running a marathon. It's like people make that proclamation. It's real romantic. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to climb that mountain. I'm going to walk the Adirondack trail. And then people are like, that's really great. And you're like, I'm going to do it. It's like, here are your boots. Here's a pen. And you're like, okay. And you've got to have that fortitude, right? And and I think probably author or physical therapist or animal physical therapist, you've got to have that curiosity, that passion, that ability to to adapt um, to, to all those different things. 
Yeah. Yeah. And when the pandemic hit and then daycare closed, it got pushed on the back burner for a while. Sure. Yeah. Life does happen. (laughs) Another comment coming in from uh, Francisco. What advice would you give to a PT or a student who wanted to transition to work with animals, but not ready to go through the certification? Um, you know, your, your, your book, Shona, was really designed for, for owners of, of dogs, mm-hmm. any, any courses or resources, you guys have mentioned a few of them already, but, um, anything that you would throw out there for people to, uh, to go grab themselves. Um, I would, Shauna mentioned earlier to the person in Canada wanting to get a, a foot in the door would be to find somebody in the area just to shadow so that you can see more about what the profession is really like and see if it's something that you want to get into. And then um, as far as resources, we, um, so we do have an animal physical therapy special interest group through the uh, AOPT. And we're working on developing a, a beginning course that you could take as far as learning what the beginning steps are and just what the, what the, profession is really about. So that is coming at some point in the next year or so. Um, because someone uh, somewhere along the line made a proclamation, we're going to make a course. And then you're like, now yes, you're going to do it. That's right. Well, you know, we have these awesome tumblers, so that's a start. That is a, <laughs> that's a good start. Um, uh, there's also a great website called fourleg.com, which yeah. is um, Lori Edhues, who was originally going to be with us this evening, um, her website is just a plethora of information. And so um, there's lots of free content, but there's a very small monthly fee where you can access all kinds of things for um, learning about different conditions, um, protocols, and all kinds of great stuff. That's great. Uh, another question from the audience in terms of, you know, Shauna, you referenced, uh, you know, the pandemic and when some things shut down. Um, and our profession, I remember, you know, Denver CSM two years ago, which feels like simultaneously 10 minutes ago and five years ago, um, and telehealth in terms of online consultations. Is that something that you guys have done or experienced? I do them and I find them quite fun. They certainly stretch my brain in a different way because I'm having to demo and explain and I use my own dog, um, as my demo dog. Wait, and wait, 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 wait. You're using your dog as like a patient yeah, education tool? No, that makes sense. She gets paid liver oh, yeah. But the hardest part, because I do them in the basement because that's where I have the most room. The hardest part is getting her off the couch from up here to come yeah. down to the basement because she's not always agreeable to come to work. But yes, I do do online consults. I uh, I heard I have a friend whose mom was a social worker and it, during the pandemic they were doing you know kind of phone calls and stuff like that and like I'm trying to figure out do kids care about Zoom less or do animals care about Zoom less? Some dogs get into it and watch really? the screen very intently. Yeah, I did a consult yeah. two weeks ago with a long-haired German Shepherd and like the Shepherd head tilt just gets to like. <laughs> my heart. And she was just like, what is this lady doing in the screen? And I, it was wonderful. So some dogs, yes. <laughs> Jenny, you experienced anything online? Are you done that before? Um, I have done a little bit. I have to say with um, California is one of those states where things are a little bit tricky. So right. I've been careful about it. So if it's, um, I had a practice up in the Lake Tahoe region 
up until the pandemic, basically. And so if it was a patient of mine from from there um, or a Nevada patient, since I have a license there, then I was more open to it. But I, I do really enjoy it. Or if it's more um, purely educational and I'm not trying to help someone diagnose something, then I'm definitely open to that. But um, yeah, our California is one of those states where we're kind of stuck in some legislative battles. So it's fun. I, it's a lot like playing by the rules. Yeah. New York and California are fun like that. Yeah, they get we get real yeah. fun. So enjoy enjoy that up there uh, in the North Country, Shauna. That- <laughs> Thank you. You're not in California or New York or other litigious uh, uh, states. Um, the websites for both of our guests tonight are going to be included in the show notes of this episode when it comes out. So feel free to click away and reach out to them as well as their social media. Anything I didn't ask? This, is what, this has become one of my favorite questions to ask in interviews. I, I actually had an argument with an ex-girlfriend who is a, a reporter. She's like, that's a lazy question. And I'm like, I don't think it is. And here's why. I, I used to ask it in clinical practice as well. Is there anything I didn't ask? Because how many times have you been with someone and they're like, I hope he asks or gosh, when are we going to get to? So that's my roundabout way of uh, explaining why I'm asking that. But is there anything about this that, that frequently you get asked that I didn't ask? Um, I get asked about why more people don't know about it or once they've had their initial consult, they're like, I just wish I knew So I guess the question would be like, why don't more people know? And I think there's a few reasons. One, at least I think we're behind the times up here in Canada, that it really is less well known than even in the States. Hmm. So I think that's one problem. I think the other problem is vets don't always know to refer or they're not comfortable referring so i think there's there's two sides of the coin there with that one but i i do like that question and i ask that question all the time you know was there anything we didn't cover that we should have and so i think it's a good question it's kind of like i'm, I'm gonna grab the doorknob before i shut the door anything anything uh jenny anything that usually comes up that that i didn't get to or that you were like hey i hope he touches on this so the audience knows about it for me it's always about the audience yeah no, I agree. I actually asked that at the end of my consultations also, if there are anything, any questions um, that we didn't talk about. Yeah. But I would say that um, it's great to highlight also the fact that we can do a lot with assistive devices with animals. And sure. that could range anything from a harness to special types of boots like um, an AFO. Again, this is where there are a lot of parallels between my practice and pediatrics to animals and it all kind of just came along so naturally is I was working with the orthotists directly to get my kids fitted for their AFOs and all kinds of other braces. Um, And also the wheelchair vendors, you know, we work with getting wheelchairs aren't just for animals who are paralyzed. You could have a dog with hip dysplasia, be able to get more exercise with wheels and, you know, we can do prosthetic limbs and, um, swing assist devices and that's again where that creativity is is sure. endless i've made guess, braces that, out of pool noodles <laughs> sure sure there, there's that creativity i guess that brings something up like what other what other uh, parallels or non-parallels uh in terms of equipment or tools i mean not a, a lot of liver treats being given out uh <laughs> other, in, other than with shauna and her dog but 
Um, anything that, you know, equipment wise, tangibly that you use that maybe you also use with human beings or differently that you wouldn't use with human beings, anything that like that come to mind? Modalities um, for sure. Like laser, tens, muscle stim, shockwave. You're using those. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Kinesiology tape can yeah. be used with animals, not just, uh, the greyhound types. You can yeah. use that um, all kinds of different ways. I guess you got to you can't really reuse the stim pads because they just the fur it, they don't stick after a while, right? Well, well yeah, you can. You just rinse them off. Rinse them, shave them. More gel. Yeah, I just like to part. Yeah, you just part the hair and get some gel on there, and um, yeah. Gotcha. Um, but in with kids, there's um, I the practice I was in, we did um, suit therapy, so there was a particular therapy suit and then the Theratogs came around. So right. some people might be familiar with that. They call it like therapy you wear. Um, so I kind of translated that um, when I switched over to working with animals, the Thunder shirt just came out and I was like, well, great. There's, you know, we can just translate that straight over. And sure. so there's lots of different um, ways we can incorporate sensory input. Um, In and the thunder shirt was what like a, like a almost like a compression like almost like a like a think of like a like swaddling a baby kind of right. so it's um it's a a snug shirt that has velcro so it hits a few different calming points like across the chest and over the shoulder blades um and so it can help calm down a hyperactive dog or an anxious dog um it was originally designed from um for dogs with noise phobias, but I also use it with dogs who are ataxic or cats, you know, any animal who's ataxic or um, recovering from paresis to give them core stability and help them engage their core muscles more, just like we would with the um, same idea behind the Theratogs. I was only kidding. I actually own a Thunder <laughs> shirt for myself, so I know exactly what that thing is. That's perfect. All right. You're wearing uh, it right now. <laughs> I'm wearing it underneath this. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the time and, and shedding some light. I feel like I know a lot more. I do realize that I do not know everything, and that and you can sense that from the questions. People wanting to to learn more. So I appreciate your time for that. Again, the, the contact information for our guests can be found in the show notes of this episode. Uh, ladies, are you ready for three questions? You ready for that? Yep. All right. Less unknown, more transparency. That is Fusion Medical Staffing. Uh, do what you want, where you want to do it. Be a great physical therapist. Work with animals. All settings. We said it. Uh, and do it where you want to do it. Find them online at FusionMedStaff.com. Leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. Again, FusionMedStaff.com. First question is a where question. We'll go Shauna and then Jenny. Uh, where's somewhere you can't wait to go and visit? Somewhere you wouldn't mind and go and working with animals? Somewhere come to mind? I'm going to say Alaska. Like I'd yeah. really love to go up there and maybe I'd be the only canine PT and I can treat all the sled dogs. They've there. got the sled dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like, that's like the ESPN. It's the high performance athlete of yeah. Alaska right there. Jenny, you're in California. Uh, where's somewhere you wouldn't mind going. And you know, what's funny is that was actually my answer to Sean. <laughs> well, you guys can go together and start a yeah. practice. That's fine. Uh, second question is a what question. What's something you've uh, read, watched, or listened to? Just something you think the audience would get value from. 
book, movie, podcast, doesn't matter. I'm going to give a book. Um, this is a book that I read earlier this year. It's called um, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. And that's the Dale Carnegie that wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. And there's yeah. that saying that if you want to learn something new, read a book that was written a long time ago. And I think we got a lot of worry in the world. And it's a book that really calmed me down. And I think it would be helpful for a lot of people right now. That's great. Jenny, what's your what? Book, movie, podcast. What do you got? Um, there was a documentary on Netflix about the guide dogs for the blind out of uh, Santa Rosa, California, yeah. which was um, a really great, it followed three puppies um, from the same litter to see what, um, how they went through their training and um, went through the program. And it was really pretty interesting to see what, um, how smart dogs really are. How it works. And, yeah. Yeah. How, um, what a great team they can be with their person if they're paired up. Juliet's going to figure out what that Netflix documentary was. <laughs> Thanks. Because I know I, I know I saw it. I know I heard of it. All right. Last question is a who question. Uh, Shauna, who is someone the audience should know more about? Um, Jenny already dropped her name tonight, but I'm going to say Lori Edge Hughes, which for many of us in the canine rehab world is like our guru and idol. I'm lucky enough to call her a friend. Um, and she's done so much as far as advancing PTs in the canine rehab world, uh, teaching around the world. But then as far as moving our profession ahead in Canada, she is vital. And I don't know how she has enough hours in the day other than I think she's powered by gin a lot of the time. There you go. <laughs> Juniper berries, man. Uh, Jenny, who's your who? Um, I would say John Barnes since um, I'll talk about the the myofascial a little bit fascia is kind of a buzzword these days but um there is a lot more to it than just the the connective tissue and i remember thinking he just kind of looks like a weird mountain man on the brochures <laughs> that you get in the mail but <laughs> once i finally uh took some of the classes i'd actually been uh, doing some of the techniques without knowing it and learning about um how there's so much more to the body than even the anatomy and phys physiology that we learn. It's uh, it's pretty mind blowing. Pick That's of the right. litter. That's what it was. Pick of the Thanks, litter. Juliet. Juliet always finds that stuff. She finds the answer <laughs> that I would. All right. That's uh, three questions again, brought to you by our friends at fusion med staff. Uh, find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. The last thing we do on the show is the parting shot. Parting Shot is brought to you by our friends at the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org, the leaders in orthopedic physical therapy. They must be. It's literally in their name. Uh, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy. The fifth edition is just out now. Uh, I, I like to, to frame it as saying it's, it's your perfect roadmap. Right? You get a map. doesn't matter where you are. You're on the map. It'll take you from where you are to where you want to go. If is it that o OCS exam, is it just to improve your orthopedic skills, upper quarter, lower quarter, whatever. It is the roadmap for your orthopedic career. So find it online again at orthopt.org. All right, parting shot. Just your last chance for a mic drop moment, idea, thought, a soapbox, just the last sentiment you'd want to leave with the audience. We'll go Shauna and then Jenna. Shauna, what is your parting shot? I'm going to address this to any owners of, well, animals, but especially dogs watching that 
when you're told there's nothing else that the vet can do, do your research, whether it's a practitioner like Jenny or I, or a device like she's mentioned, there are other options and don't just take the word of the vet, go and look for another answer. Love that. Yeah. Always do your research. Uh, Jenny, your parting shot, no pressure, but you get to follow that and you wrap up the show. So what do you got for us? I would say animal physical therapy. It's just like physical therapy any other way. It's never too early and never too late. And there's always room for improvement. Yeah. I mean, if this doesn't show and just really demonstrate the the width and the breadth of our profession, I'm not sure what else will. So, uh, ladies, appreciate your time. I don't think this will be the last time we talk about animal physical therapy. I feel like we can go a little bit deeper on that. I feel like we should have a bring your uh, a mandatory bring your pet on screen. I'll borrow my brother's dog, bring him on over here. Uh, but, ladies, thanks so much for the time and uh, coming on the program and sharing some insight with us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. The best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology as well as a Neurologic OT Fellowship, a Competitive OMPT Fellowship, and a Speech Therapy Clinical Fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPintCast.com Created by BuildPT BuildPT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs From website development and hosting Providing content marketing solutions For PT clinics across the country See what BuildPT can do for you today At BuildPT.com The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay And CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University we talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.